Welcome back to Behind the Scenes of The Witcher. I'm your host, Brandon Jenkins. Today, we've got a special bonus episode for you all. From pretty much the moment that The Witcher was released on Netflix, fans were clamoring for the soundtrack. And earlier this year, Netflix finally blessed our ears and gave us the goods. And while we were listening, we just kept thinking, we gotta talk to the people who were responsible for this series' epic score. So we got composers Giona Astinelli and Sonia Belisova into the studio. Every character in this show has a certain theme, right? This is Sonia. Right off the bat, Sonia broke down how she and Giona approach composing the music by giving each character a theme. And it was very important for us to make this soundtrack very thematic because there's so much music in the show and in the soundtrack that we needed those themes to guide us and to kind of drive the music throughout. Not only do those character themes drive the music, but they also give more depth to the scenes themselves. Take that infamous tub scene between Geralt and Yennefer. So Yennefer and Geralt meet. We're in episode five. They're in a bus stop. This beautiful scene, right? They're having their first real dialogue, right? It's a very kind of tongue-in-cheek conversation. Fishing for a gin seems an extreme measure to remedy sleeplessness. When extreme measures seem reasonable, yes, I'm desperate. And what's interesting musically in that scene is... Yennefer throughout the whole season has been portrayed by an oboe. So oboe is her main instrument. Geralt and his theme is mainly hurdy-gurdy. Hurdy-gurdy is a medieval string instrument that uses a hand crank instead of a bow. More on that later. So what happens in that particular scene is that our characters meet, they start this conversation, and we have this cue, this track, which is called uh, Happy Childhoods Make for Dull Company. And we have Geralt's theme, which is played by Yennefer's instrument, which is oboe. So an oboe plays Geralt's theme, which is very interesting because our characters just met. They don't know each other yet, and they don't know that, you know, from this moment on, it's going to be this very long relationship between the two of them. But musically, we're already uniting them and starting this relationship by having Yennefer's instrument playing Geralt's theme. The music is telling us that these characters are going to get along really well even if the characters don't know it yet. And that's just one example of this level of detail and thought that Sonia and Giona brought to The Witcher. There's so much to dig into with the score. So that's exactly what we're going to do in this episode. First, we'll get into Giona and Sonia's process across the entire series. After that, we're dissecting the absolute earworm of a song, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, with the composers and the song's lyricist, Jenny Klein. How much power can I pack into a punch, which is like the line, toss a coin to your witcher, like feel for this guy. Let's all get behind him and and root for Geralt. So string up your lutes and get ready to crank your hurdy-gurdies. Because this is behind the scenes of The Witcher, the soundtrack. Sonia and Jonah have known each other for years and have worked together on all kinds of movies and TV show soundtracks, like Stephen King's The Mist and Amazon Studios' The Romanoffs. They both started playing music when they were little. Sonia is a classically trained pianist from Russia and was considered a child prodigy. She was awarded with the Russian Ministry of Culture Award when she was just 13 years old. And Jonah, he started playing drums at five years old 
and piano at nine. He's a Swiss-Italian, classically trained artist who's now scored over 35 films. But The Witcher is by far their biggest collaboration. How did you first get brought into this project? Like, were you all pitched? Um, Did you sort of hear about it in the composer back channels? (laughs) I'm not really sure. What happened was that we actually worked with some of the producers before in other projects. So when they were when they were starting The Witcher, uh, they actually were very familiar with our work. So they sent us the scripts. We read the scripts. And in case of The Witcher, it was a slightly unusual process because normally as composers, we would get brought on during the post-production period. But in the case of The Witcher, there were songs and dances that had to be written before they started shooting. So we started, I think it was like October 18th. Yeah, it was. We started writing songs, dances, and we wrote this thematic suites. So, and, I mean, writing music has to be fun. Like It has to be fun and it has to be <laughs> creative. So when you spend so you know such long hours in the studio, having the two of us there is just much more fun and I think much more refreshing, right? And we, yeah, and we can split who learns what instruments. <laughs> yes, about that. Because we in the studio, we have a great amount of instruments, which both John and I play and recording and performing these instruments. It's a very important part of our creative process. So, you know, by being there, the two of us, we can split who plays which instruments. Like, for example, beyond recording the amazing soloists and ensembles that we recorded, just between the two of us, we performed and recorded, I think we calculated, it was 64 instruments on this soundtrack. (laughs) <laughs> which is nuts. Which is exactly. Wait, is, which, you know, at first when we started, we were like, oh, this is a great idea. Then when you receive the instrument, you're like, yeah, now what? How do you play this instrument? <laughs> then you realize, okay, maybe it wasn't so smart. But that it's a push for creativity. I mean, look, you don't have to be afraid of picking up something new. You just have to go with it and figure it out. I mean, we're not masters with these instruments, but we come up with ideas, like with the contrabass. We came up with playing for hands. <laughs> the contrabass is an upright bass, like what jazz musicians play. But Sonia and Jonah gave it a whole new sound by playing it with four hands. Yeah, because the idea behind that was that the Witcher universe is just so diverse and so broad. Like, look at all our characters. We have Witchers, we have humans, we have elves, we have dwarves, we have all sorts of monsters. So we wanted to make sure that we are representing this diversity in the soundtrack. So we ordered all these unique instruments. A lot of them were crafted specifically for the Witcher. A lot of them came from all over the world. Some came from the United States, some came from Russia, some from Hungary, China, Malaysia, Portugal. I'm sure I'm forgetting something else. However, beyond using those instruments in their traditional sense, we also wanted to find ways to use them in a much more contemporary manner. And for example, take episode three. So during the long sequence of Geralt's battle with Striga and Yennefer's dramatic transformation, we have the same hurdy-gurdy. Uh, However, in that case, so it's a solo hurdy-gurdy, but it has a lot of distortions and amplifiers and other effects applied to it. So it completely does not sound like a hurdy-gurdy, but it sounds much more like an electric guitar. And it's really funny, actually, because a lot of fans have been asking us, have you guys used an electric guitar in the score? And no, we did not. We just used the hurdy-gurdy, which is a medieval instrument from the 13th (laughs) century. But it sounds like something completely different, something much more contemporary. This is what the hurdy-gurdy sounds like soloed from the song, You Have to Fight Until Dawn. Well, it seems like you have contemporary instruments, you have historical instruments, you have sort of uh, rebuilt and customized historical instruments, making new ones. I'm wondering, um, outside of that, were there any non-instruments that became instruments to make a sound that would fit this show? 
Oh, absolutely. Like for Brokilon, uh, we were trying to, oh my goodness, we were trying to look for a, you know, ethnic, but kind of cool and different sound for Brokilon. And I was like, we have all these woodwinds. And I, usually I'm the one playing the woodwinds. I'm like, I'm sick and tired of playing all these instruments. I want something new. But it's not just that. It's not just something new. Like none of these woodwinds were really giving us the appropriate sound that mm. we were looking for. Yeah. So then I just, I'm just walking around. I'm like, what about this glass bottle of water that we just <laughs> used to drink water from? And I'm like, what happened? So I started using it, blowing, blowing into it. And, you know, of course it comes out uh, pitch sound. I was like, oh, that is This is the exactly sound. what we're looking for. So what we did is for Brokilon, for the moment when Isna appears, What is your name? Fiona. Where am I? How did I You're get You're in Brokilon Forest. Follow me. We have this woodwind instrument, which is in fact a bottle, a glass bottle of water. Uh, and to control the pitch, we just had to like either pour in more water or take out some water. So it was, you know, right into the kitchen, pouring the water out or pouring the water in, then back to recording and then recording other notes. Which it sounds simple <laughs> in a way, but now let's just, you know, shed the light on the fact that Sonia has perfect pitch. So every time I pour water in and she's like, yeah, you're a few cents flat. I'm like, oh my, I cannot control this instrument so well. And I'm like, yes, you can. Go add some more water. And then I put, you know, just maybe a, a milliliter of more water. She's like, yeah, no, it's too sharp. I'm like, oh my goodness. So yeah. it, it, we probably like spent, I remember, it was like a whole day just to record maybe like a few notes. It and wasn't a whole day. It was a couple of hours. I'm Italian. I can uh, maximize. <laughs> I can exaggerate things. Yeah, so that became one of the most prominent instruments that we use for a broccolon, which is a bottle of water. Yeah. Other thing, for example, we purchased a harp and uh, arrived in this wonderful crate. Um, I call it like a coffin because it's, it looks like It looks a, like a coffin. It's it like does. A, it's like a coffin for a harp. A wooden box <laughs> in the shape of a coffin. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can fit in. It's amazing. I mean, not amazing, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. I don't think amazing is the right word. But no, <laughs> besides, we were there. I was like, how can we create a very low rumble that is going to no, support? No, I think first, before that, we wanted to throw it away. Yes. We were just about to throw it away. And then, you know, a light bulb. Literally came up. And and I was like, what if I grab the the mallet of the gong, which is huge, like it hits you on the chest and you can feel this, this thump and you hit this wooden crate, what is it going to create? And it was this wonderful low sound. Very low, very resonant, thud. kind of bass drum type of stomp. But it's mm. not really a bass drum, but it gives you exactly that frequency. And it's amazing. So from that on, we just started using it as a bass drum, pretty much on all the cues. Yeah, and then we went, you know, you detune it, maybe an octave, two octaves, it becomes this low rumble, and you're like, this is really cool, and it gives a lot of lowiness. Like in a lot of scenes when Ceres and Sintra, she kind of walks in the empty hallways, or in episode seven, when Geralt is walking through those same hallways looking for Ceres, you hear that low kind of bass drum thing, and then a low bass drum tremolo. So that was that box that created that sound. Or another thing is, <laughs> this is crazy, but there is this Middle Eastern uh, drum that is escaping, of course, and it's going to come back. Where do we use it? No, we didn't use it because it's like, uh, it's being used so much. We can use something else. So we had a uh, and it's not a commercial. We had this pack of Pringles. 
of oh chips laying around. And I'm like, you know, if you turn it in the back, there is the, the, the metallic side. And I was like, what happened if you start playing on it like on this Middle Eastern drum? Oh my goodness. It's so painful <laughs> for the fingers, but it's so fucking awesome and so amazing. Yes, yeah, so we did use the Pringles boxes for the drum <laughs> yes. sound. Well, then in this case, since we're going that direction, so we have, you know, a studio chair and we were looking for that kind of percussive sound, which is a little muted and muffled. So we're like, well, what if we grab the mullets and try to hit it on the side of the chair, uh, like on the chair arm? Yeah. yeah. We recorded that. That became another percussion sound. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're, we're always looking for odd things that we can transform into instruments. And... But also in case of this soundtrack, like it was really asking for it. Again, it was asking for the diversity. Yeah. Because otherwise, I don't think this world would have been properly represented musically. Yeah. And that's what we were trying to achieve. All these Easter eggs, all these secret tips. Quite <laughs> well, a lot of them. <laughs> so if Sonia and Jonah are bringing this kind of creativity to the score you hear in the background of a scene, you know they're going to bring it for the songs that are front and center. And the crown jewel of this soundtrack has got to be Yaskier's Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. I mean, this song debuted at number one in the iTunes top soundtrack songs when it was released. Not only was it stuck in my head for weeks, but I even heard it out in the wild. Well, by day, I'm a podcast host, I guess, but also at night, I DJ. And I mostly DJ like hip-hop clubs, dance clubs, and in the club, I heard a remix that I'd never really heard, and then it was the song. And so having worked on this series and watched the show... The beat was dropping. I'm kind of nodding my head. You know, it's mixed in with everything else. And then I hear Toss a Coin and it's being looped and backed and it's like this heavy bass and the club's going crazy for it. And it blew my mind because one, I was hoping that they all watched the show. But two, it's the fact that this song can kind of be remixed in, in a hip hop club. It was wild. Look, it totally makes sense because we wrote so many versions of this song. I think we wrote seven versions. And one of these versions was a rap hip hop version. So... <laughs> Indeed. Toss a coin kind of goes well with everything. So just to give you some backstory, because that was one of the very first pieces of music that we wrote for the show, where we're still exploring the musical style and, you know, looking for the right balance and the right musical language appropriate for the character and for the context where the song appears. So we wrote, yeah, I believe it was seven versions that we wrote, anything ranging from very kind of medieval and historically accurate to something very contemporary. So along these versions, yes, there was a rap version. So it makes sense that, you know, the DJ was able to create a really cool, groovy uh, version for the, and, you know, the dance floor went crazy because, well, that was us in our studio when we were doing them. Um, so. <laughs> if I would have heard a hip hop version just being played in the tavern on the show, I would have lost it. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> at a certain point it existed. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious with um, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, were there any specific sort of... Um, I'm going to use the word historical instruments that you wanted to make sure that you use for it. Hell yes. <laughs> That's the short answer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you want to talk about the lute? Oh. Okay, so what happened with Toss a Coin? So that song went through a long journey. So we wrote seven versions. Then we finally settled on the right version. Then we did the whole production of the song before even Joey got on board. Sonia is talking about Joey Beatty, who portrayed Yaskier in The Witcher. Then Joey got on board, then they shot the song, and then we finally recorded the whole song. I believe it was July. It was actually 4th of July, right? Yes. Yeah, it was 4th of July while everyone was celebrating. We were working on the song and recording with Joey. Which was the best way to celebrate, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. So we were in London in the studio. Uh, and then we also had to record lutes because, you know, an essential part of Jasker and his character is that he plays a lute. 
Well, what happened that... We the... got an education in Lutz. We... <laughs> <laughs> to put it simply. Yes, because uh, the part that we wrote was quite virtuosic and something like that was unplayable on just one lute. But also because, I mean, we wrote it, I mean, it's more like, it's not a traditional medieval song that you, you know, play on a lute. It's more like pop. So there are certain limitations on the lute. Absolutely. So we were very aware of that. So we were collaborating with this wonderful musician, Argier Hauksen, who brought literally, I'm not even kidding you, he brought a minivan of lutes and different strings plucked instruments. From mid- from the from Middle medieval, Ages. Yeah, yeah, from medieval times. So we had different versions of lutes. Then in he, different tunings. In different tunings. Then he brought different Baroque guitars. He had several mandolins. And then on top of lutes... Uh, we also uh, played uh, ourselves uh, hurdy-gurdy. There were, yeah, there, there were a lot. I don't even remember all of them anymore. It was hurdy-gurdy. So I, so I performed all the hurdy-gurdy solos. There were sultries, there were harmoniums. We recorded a string section. Then... Well, we percussion, had, like some medieval percussions that we were playing. We had a with. lot of percussion. One of the actually, actually, one of the percussion that we used was uh, it was a metallic trash can that proved to be an amazing percussion instrument. Which you know, if you think, if you think about it, <laughs> no, it's not a medieval instrument. But do you bet that in the Middle Ages someone would use a trash can as you know to groove? Come on. Come on, I'm sure someone did it. So, so we got this vintage trash can. It's metallic and it's like it's hollow inside. So it has a lot of that type of metallic echo and resonance. So playing it with brushes, hell yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. The drum pattern that I hear in the song, because like towards yes. later, it feels like there's sort of like this bass that kicks in. That low bass that you hear when it comes out, I think in the second verse or something like that, it comes in. That was a synth bass because we're like, hey, we cannot just make a me- me- you know medieval song. Let's inject well, we some aiming for something a little bit more contemporary. So we're like, you know, how cool is it gonna be? If up until now, it's been very traditional. Now let's put in some modernism in it. Yeah, so bottom line is we utilized a lot of these beautiful historical instruments, but in a much more contemporary context. And with more also modern instruments, which... With some modern instruments, yeah. yeah. Okay, so now I have to ask you, with a song, with a breakout song like Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, how do you know you have a hit? Do you know in the studio, or is it like when you're going and you're humming it sort of on your own away from it, or is it really when the audience just goes crazy for it? (laughs) I think it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, I think it's a combination. The recipe is a combination of all of this that you mentioned. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot of, you know, technicalities on how the song is structured, you know, whether you have like a certain hook element to it. How to climax, how how to to climax, climax, where to climax. Yeah, how to develop it, blah, blah, blah. So there there is obviously a very, you know, important technical aspect to it, which kind of determines the success of the song. Then there is the melody, right? In case of Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, we want you to make sure that this is something very catchy, something that you can just sing along. We worked closely with Jenny Klein, who is the writer of the episode and who wrote the lyrics for Toss a Coin. So one of the ideas that we discussed a lot with Jenny is, you know, for this song to be just something that, you know, you can toss your beer can to and just sing along and to be this type of anthem that was take us out of the episode. (laughs) So we try to make it very catchy and very memorable. And that's, I think, the next factor. Then the important factor is obviously performance. And working with Joey was amazing. Fun fact, Joey was sick during the the recording of Tosa Coin because we were in London. It was a couple of days and we had to record a great amount of music, including recording Joey. And then he shows up in the studio and he's sick, but he was a super trooper. Uh, We were giving him hot tea with honey and lemon the whole 
whole day we're like joy more tea more honey more lemon let's do more and he did a fantastic job he gave us a lot of material all of this material was very versatile because we wanted to make sure that just care because on screen he just has such a kind of bubbly presence now we wanted to make sure that this is represented in the song and he gave us exactly the material that we were looking for it was versatile it was excellent it was very even theatrical in some places which is exactly what we were looking for so give him the rest That's my epic tale. Our champion prevailed, defeated the villain. Now pour him some mail. Toss a coin to your witcher, O Valley of Plenty, O Valley of Plenty. So performance, definitely check mark. We had that aspect covered. Then the whole production of the song. Again, we wanted to make sure that we're keeping that medieval quality, but still making it more like a contemporary song. So, you know, instrumentation, how, you know, the whole arrangement is structured and develops. We wanted to kind of keep it also catchy and cool. But I also think it's one interesting aspect about it. It's like it's very different from anything that's out there. Definitely. Because you get this contemporary song, but it's not like really contemporary because it's kind of medieval at the same yeah. time, but it's not like 1,000% medieval. So yeah, a lot of different factors. So I think when we finally got the full product, when all recordings were complete and we listened to it, we were like, yeah, that's that's great. And obviously the context within which, you know, the song appears in the show, it's the very end of the episode, right? So it needed to be that anthemic, epic, climaxing song. So that definitely helped a lot. Well, you know, you're composing um, the entirety of the music for the Witcher series, but I'm curious how, if at all, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher was different than the majority of the music you created for the show. Uh, actually, I don't think it was different because mm. since, so we wrote the whole score, we wrote and produced all the songs and folk tunes and dances for the series. So that's quite unusual because usually you would have different people responsible for score and songs. So since we did both, one of our goals was to make sure that songs and score don't feel separated from each other, but are in fact inspired by each other. So what we did with Toss a Coin, Toss a Coin happens at the very end of episode two. But in fact, the theme of the song starts appearing in the score from way earlier. So the very first oh. time you hear the theme of Toss a Coin is in the beginning of episode two, when Geralt and Jaskier just meet each other and they're walking up the hill, and in the score, you hear the theme of Toss a Coin. And then it continues developing throughout the episode. And then there is uh, another track in the soundtrack called The Great Cleansing, which plays during the scene when uh, Jaskier and Geralt are with Philavandril in the caves at the edge of the world. And you hear also the theme of Toss a Coin, but it appears in a completely different manner. It's much more menacing, it's darker, it's more dangerous because we don't know what's going to happen to our characters, right? They might die. So in fact, you keep hearing the theme of Toss a Coin throughout the whole episode before you even hear the song. And then when the song comes in at the very end, it still feels very new and unexpected, but it feels like you're already familiar with this material. Yeah. And it also goes back to the, you know, Previously, when we're saying it's so we love coming on board earlier because 
you know, the fact that we had the song composed already early on allowed us to... To uh, plant these seeds in the score. Exactly, you know, to then approach the score with this thematic material. We're, we already know where we are going, so we already know the end point. We just have to get there, but musically, we already have the, the path. And then, for example, uh, with Tosa Coin and with other jazz care songs, whenever our characters are in a tavern and embarking on a new adventure... Uh, we thought because, you know, beyond Jaskier, there are other bards and musicians on the continent. So, and at that point, he's already a famous bard. So why not have other musicians covering his songs in taverns? So whenever our characters are in a tavern, what you hear in the background is fiddle arrangements of some of Jaskier's songs. So basically what's happening in the real world right now of all the fans making covers, we also did it ourselves for the show. <laughs> we made covers ourselves of the songs because that's what would happen. And then we started a coin, our idea for Jaskier musically was to kind of make him, you know, we jokingly between us call him the Freddie Mercury of the continent because we wanted to, <laughs> yeah, we wanted to make him like this type of rock star of the continent. Well, but as, you know, if you watch the second episode, the first song sh- he sings, you think you're safe. I mean, it's not... Such a huge hit. Right, and it's not the same style as the Tosta Country It's Witcher. quite simple, right? It's just voice and lute and... Yeah, yeah and stylistically, simple. it's different because we wanted to imply that at that point, Jaskier wasn't such a rock star. He didn't really have his... Following. Uh, following, and he didn't even... You know, musically, he was still discovering himself. You'd be wise to beware The pike with the spike That lurks in your drawers Or the flying drake That will fill you with horrors And then, you know, it goes through it And then at the end, he finally finds his tone His musical voice And, and this is when Tosa Coin happens. So in this case, you know, musically, you can already see the transformation of his character from just, you know, being a regular bard at the tavern to being the Freddie Mercury of the continent. And hence also why perhaps Tosa Coin, you were saying, sounds a bit different from the other songs. Well, because Jasker, you know, becomes this rock star. You all are crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I mean, wait, look, we had we had so much fun and we we're like, why we cannot do this? I mean, how many other times you get an opportunity to do something like this? It's crazy, but it's so good. No, but I think the show was also asking for it because, again, that world is so diverse. It was asking for that diversity in the score. And we wanted to make sure because we have such a great amount of music that it's all kind of cohesive and thematically it makes sense. Because, yes, we have also one kind of long storyline that develops throughout the season, but also every episode is a bit different from each other because in every episode our characters embark on a new journey and a new adventure so we wanted to make sure that also thematically we can accomplish that and have themes that would develop throughout but at the same time also give each episode its uniqueness and its unique music sound you're already kind of brought into this world historically and then it feels sort of contemporary and i think it's is that challenging to sort of bridge both those worlds and still feel true when you're watching it in the show I don't think it's that challenging. I think the tone and the look of the show itself and the acting, and especially Jasker and his acting, it's much more contemporary. There is definitely a very strong and a very prominent historical aspect, but... With it's that, not a documentary. With, with that being said, yeah, it's not... We're not doing a documentary. We're not doing a documentary. So since we're going for Freddie Mercury, I mean, had to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to go Freddie Mercury, you got to go full Freddie Mercury. Yeah, exactly. You, can, you cannot go halfway. It has to be all the way. <laughs> Man, I mean, yes. <laughs> and who would Freddie Mercury be without his iconic lyrics? While Sonia and Giona composed all the music for Toss a Coin, it was Jenny Klein who wrote the words. 
I wrote all the lyrics into the script because Lauren said I could. Um, so I was like, cool. Ginny's one of the writers on The Witcher. She first met the series showrunner and executive producer Lauren Hisrick in the hallways of Marvel when Lauren was working on Daredevil and Ginny was working on Jessica Jones. But when Ginny was tasked with writing episode two, she realized she had never written a song before. When I was younger, I wanted to be a poet. And um, I know it's it's not the same thing, but when I had the opportunity to introduce Yaskir in this episode, we knew from Lauren that she was down to have ha- to for him to have like original songs unique to the show. So that was really exciting. And as a storyteller, I really saw this song as a piece that could serve multiple purposes for the episode and for the season going forward. Like, is it okay if I, if it's like a long, like, origin? <laughs> oh, no, tell us. We're here for that. <laughs> okay, cool. Whew. So, basically, I get to introduce Yaskir, right? And Geralt's story in the episode is based on the short story, Edge of the World. And in that short story, it's not like the first time where is appearing. And so, in this episode, as we're breaking it, Breaking it just means figuring out the beats and plots of the episode's arc. We're kind of wondering, like, why does Yaskir get to, like, continue with Geralt? He's obviously very delightfully talkative, but you might think that wears on the Witcher's patience. So why does he get to, to continue on in these adventures? And so one thing that the song did was become a way for Yaskir to earn his stripes, um, to prove his worth and his use uh, to Geralt using his trade, um, uh, songwriting and singing. And um, so for me, uh, I I got to write the song, the lyrics to the song in Yaskier's voice, which is why they're like a little silly. I'm like, uh, I'm not acting like it's Joni Mitchell over here. And... Um, <laughs> So that was really fun. And I also knew from the pilot that we got to use these modern idioms, right? Like, uh, Geralt says things like, well, that's not a thing. There are are these little, like, flashes of modern language. And so I felt, like, free to sort of pepper that into the song as well. Like a a ride-along, like that's a cop thing, stuff like that. When a humble bar raced a ride-along Geralt of Rivia Long came we Hmm, wow. It was uh, an interesting sandbox uh, where the, the barriers were a little wider than it would be on like a straight down the middle, like medieval show. Because we were, we were in a totally different continent, different world, um, with a different tone that had been set. So Yaskier sort of comes out of this re- really sad scene, you know, with the elves, and we're learning how they're totally disenfranchised in this world. And um, as I'm sure careful viewers noticed, we sort of wove the history of elves on the continent uh, through uh, both Ciri, Geralt, and Yennefer's timelines. Basically, the song helped us launch a PR campaign by Oscar for Geralt, um, for his <laughs> friend, and make him the hero that he sees him as. When the white wolf fought a silver-tongued devil, his army of elves at his hooves did they... That's not how it happened. 
has your newfound respect? Respect doesn't make history. It sort of repackaged the plight of the elves in favor of the Witcher, and we learn in Yennefer's storyline um, how history has totally been re-envisioned. So there's that meta level to the song about um, this, like, rewriting history as um, Yennefer is learning that, like, elves were the original mages of the continent, and it's totally been papered over in favor of humanity. So um, there was that. And then on an emotional level, what was cool was Yaskier singing this song that is about Geralt, but uh, this song that plays over this ending sequence that energetically pulses us out of the episode. And in a way, we can emotionally thread Yennefer and Geralt, sort of tie them together at the end where... Even though they weren't in this episode, they weren't together in this episode, it can feel at the end like they are. And that was um, my intent of a friend of humanity, um, because I'm looking at these two characters and these different storylines that are going to be our heroes. And it's like, wow, these are two extraordinary outsiders (laughs) who have to roam among humans being like, don't be afraid of me, people. Like, I, I'm a friend of humanity. I just, like, have magic. and uh, But don't be scared. And so a friend of humanity at the end, it's Yaskir referring to Geralt, but it, it is playing over Yennefer's face as the very last image that we see. You know, you're saying, like, not Joni Mitchell, but these songs are doing a ton of lifting, you know, both for the audience that likes to listen on a, um, on a maybe, let's say, a more surface level, right? That just likes to enjoy the tune of it. But also it's packed with lyrics that have what amounts to um, a ton of social discourse, a ton of uh, yeah. conversation about the world of The Witcher. Um, yes. Yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell yourself short. That's, that's really great oh. songwriting. Oh, oh thank you. Um, I thank you. I... I just wanted to approach it from like a character standpoint and I was just really feeling I was feeling bad for Geralt because I was reading the books and sort of realizing this guy doesn't he gets he doesn't get paid for his work <laughs> um, <laughs> he's he's kind of this underdog um, who we can all get behind but um, it's like this underpaid outsider which I think we can everybody can relate to in a way and yeah. um <laughs> And then I realized, um, like, because the story takes place in um, what is called uh, the Valley of Flowers in uh, in Elder Speak, which is the Elven language on the continent, is Dolblathana, and um, that means like Valley of Flowers, Valley of Plenty. And I was just like, how sad, sad, funny. <laughs> is it to not get paid for your work even in the Valley? plenty <laughs> like toss a coin to your witcher people <laughs> it all makes sense now um <laughs> and so i'm curious when you you kind of source some of the inspiration for the lyrics but um i'm also wondering like were there specific passages in the books or was it totally original to the show or did you even draw sensibilities from i don't know from a Joni mitchell or or, or maybe a more contemporary like pop artist they're like i didn't pull lines from the book but certainly the whole plight of the witcher and uh, and packaging his plight was the inspiration for the song mm. and 
I knew that I wanted it to be up, like up, like energetic. And for you to end this episode feeling like, oh, I got to watch the next one. And like that rocked. <laughs> so I didn't have specific lyric inspiration. I just tried to write a really simple song that could go to like a simple meter, basically, with a catchy chorus. And then Sonia and Jonah took that song and well made it a song like the catchiest thing I've ever heard <laughs> and they like they're just geniuses like they well they gave us um different versions of course because they're respectful composers um and we're feeling out what we wanted and Lauren and I were drawn to um the the more modern like sort of poppy rock version and we were all kind of like, this could be like a Queen song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which was so cool of Lauren to like see, what, like because that's kind of a leap of faith, you know? Like it could backfire um, because it's it's a little bit, it could be like out of the world of the show, but instead it deepened the world of the show, which is always the goal. So when Sonia and Jonah came back with this like, rock ballad oh and we had we adjusted we had to tweak some of the lyrics to fit the meter that they had in mind because i i'm not like psychic i didn't write it perfectly <laughs> to what, what the song was so we we made some tweaks like i think i had like and the devil minced our meat and so it had to be like minced our tender meat like we had to add two syllables yeah <laughs> and she and chona repeated it's like my favorite part of the song where they added the like oh 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 where and that's where it gets you and you all start singing along and and repeating what they chose to repeat and it was just brilliant songwriting on on their part and i'm very grateful for them <laughs> well i'm curious um you know you write for character you write for story but adding lyrics is sort of like a new piece in the arsenal that can help tell the story. Does yeah. it? Are there different muscles that you use um, when you're writing mm -hmm. for character or story than you would, or I guess between those three, between character, storyline, and lyrics? For sure. And the storyline, you're kind of at, uh, you're like, you know, a thousand feet up in the air and looking down, especially when you're interweaving these three main characters. And so you want to sort of feel like, their stories are uh, bouncing off of each other and informing each other. And especially at the beginning of a season one show, like the, there's so much world building that you have to do. And um, when it comes to the lyrics, it's like it's it's more like puzzle brain where you, which I love, you have limited words and <laughs> how much power can, I pack into a punch, which is like the line, toss a coin to your witcher, like feel for this guy. Let's all get behind him and and root for Geralt. Um, so it's more of like a, an economy challenge, like economy of words. Mm. Um, that's uh, more microscopic almost. Yeah, I guess within that sort of uh, small real estate to write, you still manage to um, include what I'm pretty sure is an elf on the shelf reference. Was that <laughs> is that intentional or? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he thrust every elf far back on the shelf, high up on the mountain, from whence it came. 
it is. I, yeah, I, it, well, a mountain is a shelf. And Yaskier wouldn't know what that was. Um, <laughs> so it, you could argue that he, these are like Yaskier's lyrics, all right? Um, but then for us viewers watching this, um, it's like a little Easter egg in there. And there's also like, like, <laughs> there's a silly pun. Like he can't, he can't be bleat. While the devil's horns minced our tender meat, and so cried the witcher, he can't be bleed. Which I think at one point I explained to someone on Twitter, I'm like, you know, it's like a goat, because he fights a goat man. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, and that's part of what I love about the witcher, is just the opportunity to have fun. And not take ourselves so seriously at certain points. Toss a coin to your Witcher can only be described as a medieval banger. And Sonia and Giona, the composers of The Witcher, they feel all your love. How have you all reacted to the love that Toss a Coin to Your Witchers receives from from the public? Look, it's fantastic. It's amazing. It's it's just so great to see it because uh, every day seeing how much fun the fans are having with this song it's exactly the idea that we had behind because we wrote this song with so much fun so much passion and we were hoping that this would translate into the song and the fans are picking up on it and they're creating new version every day they're having fun they're creating great covers and it's fantastic and i remember when we wrote it it just got stuck in our heads like i remember going to yoga and you know instead of you know lying there in my shavasana and meditating i was like toss a coin to your witcher <laughs> oh valley of plenty so it just got stuck in our heads and usually when something like that happens that means that the material that you wrote is catchy and it's worth you know developing and hopefully the audience will respond very well to it which is exactly what happened and now seeing all the fun that the fans are having with the song all the covers that they're creating and all the love that they're giving us about this song it's it's just fantastic. It's the best. Jenny considered Toss a Coin to be a workout anthem, too. So you sent me um, a track because Joey hadn't recorded it yet. And so it was Sonia just singing on this demo, basically. And I completely freaked out. I put it on my workout playlist and was I was like listening to it. And like it was... Uh, Basically, the first time I heard it, I was like, you guys <laughs> knocked it out of the park. It was it was stuck in my head, so I, I never assumed it would be stuck in anyone else's head. And then when Joey recorded his version, and it was in Yaskier's voice, and of course, Sonia and Jonah like, did their finessing to the final version, it, it just really soared. And it soared all over the internet. We want you to know that Sonia, Giona, and Jenny, they've heard all of your amazing covers of the song. It's incredible because there's anything ranging from like super, super classical to like hard rock and metal. Uh, but there is one that recently popped up and we saw it, which is great and super funny, which is toss a shrimp to your oh kitten. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so there is, <laughs> there is this incredible cover. Uh, it has a kitten singing this song in a very operatic manner, singing something like, toss a shrimp to your kitten. 
It's bowl is empty. It's bowl is empty. No, no. It's incredible. I mean, you have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. that one is amazing. Uh, then, We were laughing so much. It's so much fun, this one. So it was actually Declan Debar, one of the writers and producers on the show. So he sent us this cover and we just couldn't stop singing it. Uh, then, oh, yeah, there is a cover done by the Russian folk choir. Uh, very, very Russian, very operatic. It's It's incredible. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's brilliant. And there are so many it. like rock versions coming out and in any genres coming out and it's so good. Yeah, I think all the reactions are absolutely mind-blowing and it's just, it's the best. Yeah. For Ginny, her favorite cover is Closer to Home. Okay, so my nephew Evan just started, like he got a guitar for Christmas and that was like right before the song came out and um, it's on like his guitar tabs app and he taught himself how to play the song. So that's one of my favorite covers is my <laughs> my uh, my nephew. Shout out Evan. <laughs> Evan, Evan on his guitar. He's really, it's really cool. Like he's getting really good. So big congrats to Evan and Jenny and Sonia and Giona. And thank you all for tuning in to our bonus episode. This is officially it for the season of Behind the Scenes of The Witcher. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so you don't miss the next season of Behind the Scenes. Who knows? The next show we feature might be your favorite. Behind the Scenes of The Witcher is a Netflix and Pineapple Street Studio production. I'm your host, Brandon Jenkins. And I'll let Yaskier take us on out. Till next time. When a humble bard graced a ride along with Geralt of Rivia, along came this song. From when the white wolf fought a silver-tongued devil, his army of elves at his hooves did they revel. They came after me with masterful deceit, Broke down my loot and they kicked in my teeth While the devil's horns minced our tender meat And so cried the witcher, he can't be bleed Toss a coin to your witcher, O oh valley of plenty O oh valley of plenty, oh Toss a coin to your witcher, O valley of plenty. At the edge of the world, fight the mighty horn that bashes and breaks you and brings you to more. He thrust every hour. Far back on the shelf, high up on the mountain, from whence he came. Ah. He wiped out your past, got kicked in his chest. He's a friend of humanity, so give him the rest. That's my epic tale. Our champion prevailed, defeated the villain. Now pour him some man.